And we're back. <laughs> we're back. Oh, it's no. been a couple weeks, but it's Karis. And Kaylee. And it's Badass Women in History. And we just started our first week of school. And also I had wisdom teeth taken out, so I was not in any place to be um, attempting to teach anybody <laughs> anything. Uh, yes, I, I volunteered and had my 21st birthday. Yay! <laughs> so I I was not in a position to teach anybody anything either. It's been a couple weeks. But we're back. School started. And and we have some big news. So you're 99% surely listening to this on our new iTunes stream. Which is like... (laughs) Cool as fuck. Holy shit. We got like drinks and food last night because of this. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we are on iTunes now, um, which is insanely cool. It only took me two months to figure that out. We did um, it! We did it! So we will no longer be on SoundCloud anymore. SoundCloud was just gonna be, um, too expensive for not giving us what we needed, unfortunately. So still a big fan of the SoundCloud, but not for podcasting. Um, however, we're now on Buzzsprout? Yeah, yeah. Buzzsprout. Buzz, I made it. I should know. Um, Buzzsprout. So we have a website through that where you can literally just listen to all the website or all the um, episodes. I'll be uploading the rest of the ones that we've already done this weekend. Uh, and then uh, all the new episodes will be coming out both on that website, but preferably through iTunes, which is how you guys will listen. And I'm still working on Google Play for our Android friends. Um but until then, the website. I don't have any friends that use Android. Okay, I have, like, one. <laughs> Ashley, what you doing? I know. like, <laughs> nobody who uses Android is a friend of mine. Just <gasps> kidding. It's anyway. Okay. So, that's super exciting. And also, now that we're, like, a real podcast, super accepting anyone who wants to sponsor us. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we'll talk about you, and you can talk about us, and we're here for it. We're here for it. So. Hype you up. Let us know. Tweet us. Insta- just tweet us just tweet anyway. Us. Just that also, pop in, say yeah. hi. I'm a lot of fun on social media. Karis is too. Oh, yeah. No. Big fan of Kaylee's Twitter. <laughs> big, big fan. Big Anything fan. for my fans. <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, so we only have one current event this week just because of all the housekeeping items, and that's going to be Kaylee's, which I'm super excited about because she's bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm bitter. Uh, wow. (laughs) That was a great introduction. Thank you. My, (laughs) my current event, is this even really a current event? My current event is, uh, Taylor Swift. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I don't know if that's a current event. It really, I worked really hard to find, like, a current event um, that was, like, kind of the same caliber as, like, my other ones have been. Um, But I felt just, like, with her recent resurgence that, like, I, we needed to, like, release a statement almost. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So, I normally really, you know, like to stay pretty positive, but let's get real for a sec, because I'm bitter, and I'm trying to 
hold my fellow gals accountable here. Um, so, I listened to Look What You Made Me Do the night it premiered, because I was working in Bulldog Welcome Weekend when it came out. Me and everybody in the Ugh. SIT office were like, oh, we gotta listen to it, fuck! I watched the lyric video and I was like, what's going on? Yeah, and so I watched that, and then this morning a couple times I watched the music video to do my research. <laughs> Um, I also read a bunch of in- interpretations on the Easter eggs. In oh, the I've, I've read all of those, and they're and all the same, theories. and I've not yes. learned anything new. Um, I researched this quite a bit, and um, I just feel like I need to preface all this with a little content warning about fucking Taylor Swift and, uh, Nazis. <laughs> Bitch, we got the E on our podcast. <laughs> we got we, the little red we E. We have the little red E on our podcast. Explicit, so. bitches. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm gonna dive right in, and uh, I might get a little heated. That's why we have the E. I'm here for this. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So, I uh, really liked Taylor Swift when I was in uh, my Taylor Swift level feminism stage when I think I was, like, 17 and 18. Um, but... Like we've discussed before, like with Lena Dunham earlier, part of feminism is holding our peers accountable, and feminism isn't really worth shit unless it's intersectional, you know? Mm. Um, Meaning being, like, inclusive and acknowledging the different struggles of people of different races, sexual orientations, and gender identities. Intersectional feminism really means you are acknowledging your privilege and going behind... Beyond the whole, like, women make only uh, 78 cents per man's dollar, but looking closer at what women of color make in comparison, you know? Um, That's just, that's, like, a really leading example for anybody who's still kind of trying to understand intersectional feminism or realizing that they kind of are exhibiting white feminism and they're trying to kind of branch away from that. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like I've been seeing a lot of recently. I maybe it's the Taylor Swift thing, but like a lot of things, I'm just like, that's very white of you. Yeah, and I feel like kind of with this podcast, we it's we can kind of use our platform to just kind of give people kind of like a little nudge, like, hey, examine this, do yeah. some self reflection, and think about how you can do better. Um, so, I know in our first episode I talked about how we have no time for SWERFs and TERFs, meaning sex worker and transgender inclusionary, exclusionary feminism. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of what intersectional feminism is about, if that's something you weren't familiar with. But, bringing it back to Taylor Swift, (laughs) first off, just as a review of the single, it's petty as shit, um, but there was like a, uh remix of it with, like, the back, like, the backing beats from, like, Toxic with Britney Spears, so I, like, got down to that. (laughs) I love Britney Spears. But, that's all I really have to say about her new music, because I really just, like, wanted to examine her and her own power and influence and how she uses it, not just, like, her shitty son. Um, why has Taylor Swift never used her platform for making an impactful statement about anything other than white feminism? Yep. Um, I know people saying she's always the victim is so common, and in her music video, she, like, says, like, oh, she's always the victim when... Even her new, vi- even her new video is like, I'm the villain, but I'm still the victim. I'm the villain. Yeah, basically. That's and I'm just like, like really choose a side. So she can do better, right? 
Um, we haven't done an episode since this, uh, recent Nazi masses alt-right Fuck. resurgence, and so I really think I need to say something. It sounds like I'm off on a tangent right now, but I promise it goes back to Taylor Swift eventually. I'm into it. <laughs> we are at a crazy time in our country, and passive privileged white activism is bullshit, and mm-hmm. the last thing we need for Tina Fey eating- from Tina Fey eating cake on Weekend Update after Charlottesville telling us to just ignore white supremacists, to Taylor Swift's never condemning white supremacy in her neo-Nazi fan base. We don't need it, and Nazis are everywhere, and they have been for a long time, and they- finally kind of again feel like their uh, actions are okay they're your co-workers and family and your peers at school and potentially your fans if you're famous you know mm-hmm. um and if you do not denounce this behavior you're supporting it if you're letting tommy laren back your music like when she tweeted about Taylor Swift's new single on how it's so good, and then backing Fox News in the same breath, you know? What? You're supporting it, and you are letting neo-Nazis know that their behavior is acceptable. You're letting them hide behind the First Amendment. Freedom of speech is a fucking cop-out when you're supporting white supremacy. Taylor Swift needs to denounce this behavior, especially in her fans. And when you have a great platform and influence, it really does need to be used productively. Um, so in conclusion... I don't get down with white feminism and passive activism, and everyone listening can do better, and Taylor Swift needs to quit the Victim Act and use her influence for something good. But, you know, then again, maybe, like, her victim game could be, like, really relatable for white supremacists who think they are the victims of, like, diversity. Yeah. And so maybe they really like listening to her because she's like, oh, everybody's out to get me. Kanye... This black man's out to get me. Mm. Um, How is that still going on? I know. How? I know. She also might not want to denounce this uh, behavior because it might impact her sales, which Mm. isn't really something I want to think about a lot. Um, So, I'll be keeping an eye on her because I feel like she could do a lot better, but I feel like waiting for her to finally use her influence for something truly productive like... Standing up for what's right and denouncing white supremacy is something that's not going to happen for a long, long time, if, um, ever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, you went way deeper than I thought you were going <laughs> to, but I'm here for it. Yeah. I wrote that and I was like, oh, you know, this is going to fill some time. Just <laughs> <laughs> good, good shit. Awesome. I'm glad I got to talk about that. Thank yeah. you. Because I feel like just we needed to say something anyway because we haven't done a podcast in several weeks and it won the last one we did I think was before the Charlottesville yeah, it was. shit. So I'm glad I got to talk about that. Fuck Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> one thousand Nazi scalps. <laughs> I just watched Inglorious Bastards last weekend, so I'm like, nice. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're going to play Two. this out. <laughs> and we'll be right back.
All right, and we're back. And I know for a fact that it's your turn to go first. Really? I feel Unless like I you just don't want to so, so much. I really want to hear about you. I need to, I think the okay. listeners need a break from my voice what? for a second. Okay. <laughs> so I'm super excited about mine. It's a little bit different than what I've been doing. So um, no one knows this really, and I often forget. But I actually ran cross country in high school. <laughs> I know. You often forget. I often forget. I'm like, that's not that is like a thing I do. <laughs> so, um, I ran cross country in high school. Big fan of like you know like Prefontaine or whatever and all those runners. But another cool runner that I really like is actually Catherine Switzer, and probably almost everybody listening has seen the picture. It's of the girl that is running the Boston Marathon, and she's getting, yeah. like, like pretty much attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's Catherine Switzer. So, in December 1966, 19-year-old Catherine Switzer started training with the Syracuse University men's cross-country team. She wanted to simply run, and Syracuse didn't have a women's running team. Uh, nobody in the area did. Her coach was 50-year-old Arnie Briggs, who had previously run 15 Boston marathons and was excited to train Catherine because he'd never trained a woman before. At this time, only men could run the Boston Marathon. Um, now, I f- don't know if women could run just portions of it, or they could run it, but they couldn't be registered or whatever, but um, m- women couldn't officially run the Boston Marathon. Um, it was thought that they was that 26.2 miles was too fragile for women. But Catherine was really good. She ran 26 miles easily on their training runs with Ernie. And then she should just she suggest doing another five miles easy. Now, technically, the Amateur Athletic Union book said there wasn't, didn't say anything about gender. So, um, as well, this is in the time where to run, uh, quote, pretty much run professionally, you actually had to be an amateur. So, like, you had to be an amateur athlete to be in the Olympics. You had to be an amateur athlete to do a lot of the bigger events, like the Boston Marathon and stuff like that. And it was also a time that you didn't need, like, to qualify for Boston because there oh. weren't that many people running. So she actually registered as KV Switzer. And then um, I cracked up because her running fee was $3. Oh. Which, like, 5Ks right now are at least, like, 25 or $30. Yeah, just so, 5Ks are, like, 30 Yeah. Even sometimes more. The yeah. The color runs a lot more. Yeah. Also, the color run, the money doesn't go to charity, just saying. What? So, I also... 5K to support homies. I have a problem with them because their colors turn cars colored. Like, they stain cars, and yeah. I'm not into it. We ran a color run 5k like two falls ago mm-hmm. three falls ago mm-hmm. two and my car's still fucked yeah fuck mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> uh no i'm into it so um and didn't she paid her three dollars and didn't need to submit times because it was 1967 and everyone had to be amateur her then boyfriend tom miller also registered because he figured it because he figured that if she a woman could do it he could do it without training Without training. Yep. I mean, like, he was an athlete, but he was, like, a football player. He wasn't, like, a runner. (laughs) So, on Marathon Day in 1967, Arnie, Tom, and Catherine had a huge breakfast at, like, 9 a.m., and then the race started at noon. It was a cold, rainy day, so she was dressed in, like, sweatpants and a sweatshirt. She was in a grout fit. That's what she was (laughs) in. (laughs) Um, I've seen the picture. She's in a grout fit, my girl. Oh, my God. 
But she actually wore lipstick and earrings at the race because she didn't want to just, like, blend in with the guys. Like, she was like, I'm a woman and I'm cool with it. Um, She called her parents to tell them what she was doing because she actually didn't tell them that she was, like, running the Boston Marathon until, like, the day before. And they were super supportive. And she actually wasn't even nervous about being, like, a woman running it. She was just nervous about, like, the race itself. Yeah. Um, And none of her fellow male runners seemed upset that she was the only woman there. So they actually signed up as a team, Arnie, Tom, and Catherine. And so Arnie just went and picked up the whole team's badges. And then um, gave it to her. Her said Kay Switzer and... None of the race officials knew. And then all of the male runners at, like, the starting line were, like, really impressed. And a lot of them were like, oh, I wish my wife would run with me. Mm -hmm. Like, all of it like that. So then they started running and she was having fun. Um, And then mile four came along and the press was, like, riding through the crowd to try to get pictures. And they noticed that she was a woman. Uh, And she had a number bib on. So she was, like, officially registered for the race. Suddenly, a large man came up behind her and was ready to pounce on her. He yelled, get the hell out of my race and give me those numbers. And he jumped on her. She was able to run away. And Arnie pushed the guy to the ground. uh, And he turned out to actually be the race manager uh, called Jock Temple. She was scared they'd get in trouble, especially if they hurt Jock. um, Because obviously he's the race manager. So he's like, you know, an important person. And they threw him on the ground. Um, but she didn't want to stop and see if he was okay because she knew if she stopped and he was okay, then Mm -hmm. she would have to stop the race. So she had to stop worrying about her time doing the race. She just wanted to finish. Mm -hmm. She was so worried about finishing. She didn't actually, she actually didn't even realize when she passed over Heartbreak Hill, which is the toughest portion of the Boston Marathon because it's so steep and it's the part that a lot of people kind of clock out at or Mm -hmm. it makes or breaks their place in the race or their time and she finished so um she actually finished with um arnie and tom they finished as a team they ran the whole thing together and she was actually stopped by the press after she finished and i like this portion from her um her book and also her article in runner's world magazine um so what made you do it and she said i like to run the longer the better Oh, come on. Why Boston? Why wear numbers? Women deserve to run, too. Equal rights and all that, you know? Will you come back to run again? Yes. They'll ban your club. Then we'll change the name of our club. Are you a suffragette? And then I like this one because it's, huh? I thought we got to write the vote, the right to vote in 1920. They finished the race, and a few hours later, they were actually all over the covers of the paper. So they went to go get, like, a cab back to their hotel, and they realized that they were on the front of the newspaper. Wow. Um, so Catherine is now 70, uh, and she's still running marathons. In 2017, actually, like, just a couple months ago, she became the first female athlete to run a marathon 50 years after she ran her first marathon. Her number in the um, Boston Marathon in 1967 was 261, so it's really symbolic to her and to a lot of female runners today. Uh, that's the name of her charity as well. She's been inducted to the um, New York Roadrunners Hall of Fame in 1914 and the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2011. Yeah, so she's pretty cool. (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah, I've always, I've seen that picture and I recognize her name. Yeah. But yeah, that's so cool. She's awesome. I'm always here for a, a gal doing something that you know that's why it's our podcast right because yeah. <laughs> it's 
important to showcase that. And, you know, not a lot of people probably know about her. Awesome. Am I cool to Yeah, you're cool to start. You can go. Okay. So, actually, I was having a little bit of a... Uh, writer's block trying to figuring out trying to figuring trying to figure out my lady for this week and um Asher suggested this one to me oh yeah I'm excited so hey Asher I know you're listening (laughs) our first first iTunes subscriber yeah he was like, why don't you do, like, women in comedy? And he was like, why don't you do Sarah Silverman? And I was yes! like, yes! Oh, this is why I'm keeping you around, sweet <laughs> angel. <laughs> so, yeah, I do Sarah Silverman. Um, I love Sarah Silverman. And I've loved her since I was a kid. <laughs> I loved her since I was a kid, which I was probably way too young to be watching Sarah Silverman. Yes. <laughs> But my family really, really likes stand-up comedy. My dad and stepmom do. And so I, like, grew up watching, like, comedy specials. And so I really like Sarah Silverman because I had never seen, like, a woman be so fucking funny. And, like, deadpan. Just, like, I love deadpan. Oh, I'm a big, yeah, big fan. Yeah, so Sarah Silverman is my badass woman for this episode. She is an actress, a creator, activist, writer, executive producer, comedian, and author. Um, I also just recently watched her stand-up special, A Speck of Dust, on Netflix, and it was very, very funny. I have loved Sarah Silverman (laughs) so long, and so seeing that new comedy special, which is so, so funny. (laughs) She, like... You gotta watch it. Like, I haven't seen it yet. I'll watch it probably <laughs> it's tonight. It's so funny. She talks about when she was, like, in the hospital. She had to have, like, emergency surgery on, like, I think it was on her epiglottis. And, like, she's under anesthesia. And she, like, I don't know if it was after she came out of the surgery. I think it was. It was, like, the next day. And she was still, like, super, like, looped up on, like, pain meds, I'm pretty sure. And... But she was, like, telling her boyfriend and, like, the nurse that, like, she was actually fine and she was, like, thinking clearly. And they were, like, you shouldn't be, like, thinking clearly. And she's, like, I mean, I feel fine. Like, get me to talk about something. And they're, like, okay, explain Brexit. And there's literally a video. <gasps> what? She's, like, explaining <laughs> Brexit. Like, correctly. What? Just so doped up. Like, think about how doped up you were on, like, your wisdom teeth meds. Like, she was, like, It was amazing, expl- guys. <laughs> explaining Brexit. Like, Dude, I went to a museum and I couldn't read. Like, how did she do that? Karis' profile picture on Facebook. She's so doped up on meds. I am so high in that picture. It's amazing. My eyes are closed. Yeah, you just look so happy. I'm so happy to be with Brandon. What a trolley ride. Uh, I remember I saw that. I was like, you look so cute. And you're like, I was fricked. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, she was really vocal just, like, the past, like, couple of years about my boy Bernie Sanders. Um, and that's when I just kind of developed another layer of uh, respect and love for her once I... Is it older? Yeah. 
Karis and I caucus together. Oh, back God in the bless. Day. Oh. So sweet. I think that was a genuine bonding moment. It was. For us. It was. It was also the day that I realized I needed to. We, me and my boyfriend needed to break up. <gasps> oh yeah, that's right. I remember that like, so specifically. Like a hot mess express. I will never forget March first because <laughs> I was like day. caucus for Bernie Sanders. And also he also realized I needed to <laughs> get out of an almost two year long relationship. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you for being there for me with that. But I digress again. Um, So, I love Sarah Silverman. I'm super excited to talk about her. With that being said, um, I know that Sarah Silverman's comedy is sometimes a lot. It's very satirical, you know, and, like, she has offended people, uh, She's apologized for it and stuff. And so, you know, she's human. And when you do comedy, like, shit happens and you offend oh, yeah. people, you know. So Even I when just you kinda, don't do comedy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> just like, you know, you just, like, fuck up and life happens. So I just want to say, like, I know some people listening right now might think that I kind of chose someone kind of problematic. But if I, uh, I, if I, like hold her accountable you know she's human and she's uh i can get down with her okay so uh yeah i'm i hate pc culture and so like uh i hate when people are like talking shit about people getting offended because it's so shitty to hurt people's feelings um and using your privilege in a non-constructive way so I really do like that Sarah's human and she's acknowledged when she's like fucked up and she's willing to grow and learn so she was born in New Hampshire in 1970 she's the youngest of five siblings born to a Jewish family although she just identifies with being secular and like but like non-religious um she doesn't really identify with religion that much but like since when you're Jewish, like, that's just such a huge part of, yeah. like, her culture. Well, it's, like, it's a culture and it's a religion. And you can be, like, Jewish right. and Se- tradition secular. and ethnicity mm-hmm. and not And her, religious. like, siblings are, like, rabbis and stuff. So, they're, like, very involved. So, her first time doing stand-up, she was 17 years old in Boston. And she said it was just, like, awful. Like, god-awful. So bad. <laughs> but her career really got started in 1992. She was actually on Saturday Night Live for a season. Did you know that? I didn't know that. But I also feel like everybody's on Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, wait, what? She was just on it for a season. She wrote and she acted as a featured player. But, like, almost all of the skits that she wrote never really got picked up. And she was always just kind of, like, a supporting, like, person um, on the show. And, I mean, think about it. She was, like, only 23. Like, she was really young. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, really young. And so she just, she said it was very, like, male-dominated, so sometimes it was just, like, really tough. Um, but she was fired after one season. That's why not a lot of people know that she was on it, just because it was just so, like, uh, anticlimactic. But she yeah. even said, like, when she was hired, she was not ready for it. Yeah. And she has later gone on to spoke about how she's grateful that she didn't let her time at Saturday Night Live define her. Um, Because there are so many actors where, like, you see them in movies and you're like, oh, yeah, that dude was on SNL. And it's a a hard thing to get away from. Half of the SNL 
people that are still there that I like that I've been watching since I was in high school, and I'm like, you're you're still there. I know Bobby Moynihan finally just left. Did he really? Finally, yeah. What's he gonna do now? I know he had like a, a TV show. I think a sitcom. Oh, but cool. Be able to get away from it. I think. Yeah. Well, even so. Kristen Wiig, like, yeah, I who has Kristen done so done. much stuff. But yeah, people always. Even, like, Tina Fey to be polar. It's just, like, something that's, like, such a huge thing that... Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's very powerful. It's how a lot of people get their start. I love Saturday Night Live. I, I never it. can stay up late enough to watch. I normally it's have to like, work the next morning, and I'm just like... Ugh. Oh, it's like my tradition, like my squad. We all watched Saturday Night Live together, and this past season was fire. Amazing. Okay. Anyway... Tweet at me if you like SNL, please. At straight out of flake. Okay, I keep getting off on a tangent. I'm so sorry. No, I'm into it. Um, she's in a few movies and pilots, but she got her network stand-up comedy debut in 1997 on uh, Late Night with David Letterman. She later developed her TV show, The Sarah Silverman Program, in 2007. And so in between 1997 and 2007, she just kind of had, like, supporting roles and shows and um, little, like, pilots that a lot of pilots that did get picked up. She's in School of Rock as Ned Schneebly's girlfriend. I loved her in School of Rock. She's awesome. She was, like, the smallest role in School of Rock. Well, I mean, but she, like, was such, like, a bitch. It was awesome. Um... But she had, she made the Sarah Silverman program. Have you ever watched that? Mm-mm. The Sarah Silverman program? It's so weird, but it's, like, super cool. I've watched it. I really, really like it. Um, and that was in 2007, and she was nominated for an Emmy for it. And then in 2007, she must have been, like, a huge deal because then she hosted the MTV Movie Awards. She also won an Emmy for her work in a short segment on Jimmy Kimmel's show, Called I'm Fucking Matt Damon in 2008. <gasps> so, I don't know. Did you know that her and Jimmy Kimmel dated for, like, a long time? No. Like, six I plus years. I only knew years. that Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon have a problem with each other. Or don't have a problem with each other. What? I don't know. I think they, like, fake don't oh, like each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. And, um, so then she, like, they, I think they sing in it. And so she won an Emmy for it because it was so what? funny. Like, it apparently went, like, viral on YouTube. And so she was dating Jimmy Kimmel at the time, so that was super funny. So then Jimmy Kimmel released a video of him and Ben Affleck called I'm Fucking Ben Affleck because, like, you know how Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are, like, best friends? No. Well, they are. I don't keep up with this. (laughs) They are. They're, like, best friends. Have you ever seen, like, Dogma? No. It's a Kevin Smith movie. You should check it out. Okay. It's very good. (laughs) Um, It has Alan Rickman in it, so you really should check it out. Why? Because he's English? I mean, I, I just like him. <laughs> I don't even watch Harry Potter, but I still like him. Okay. Since 2008, she's been in a bunch of supporting roles in movies. My favorite is Penelope in Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I love her. My, uh, my heart. So, uh, diving a little bit more into her personal life and activism, she's been a vegetarian since she was 10. And it talks a lot about how she experienced clinical depression for most of her life. She's super, super open about it and even her addiction to Zoloft. And she even writes um, about how... And she talks about, too, how she, like, wet the bed till she was, like, in her teens. She's very open about it. She says, like, sometimes she's still, like, what's the bed? And so her, like, autobiography is called The Bedwetter. And it came out in 2010. 
And then, like, a couple years ago, she, like, started really hardcore endorsing Bernie Sanders and making videos for him and campaigning for him. And then when he later, like, dropped out, she flat out, like, called out all the Bernie, like, or bust bros, you know, that, Mm -hmm. and she was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I love Bernie, but this is, like, getting to be, like, serious. Like, uh, let's get real. Um, so yeah, Sarah Silverman is, uh, such a badass woman. Nice. Thank you. So Sarah Silverman is such a badass woman because she is open about her own struggles. She lets people see who she is unapologetically, and I really admire that. So be sure to check out her comedy special, A Speck of Dust, on Netflix. It's amazing, and it's so funny to see the videos of her when she was in the hospital. And... <laughs> no, no, I'm definitely going to watch that. But, uh, yeah, I love comedy, and Sarah Silverman rocks. She is so real, and she stands up for what she believes in. So check out her Twitter at Sarah K. Silverman. And Wreck-It Ralph 2 comes out in early 2018. Wait, what? <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph 2! That's a thing? Yeah! Okay, so, like, I feel like I saw that movie with a bunch of friends that were, like, older than me. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say at the time, but they're still older than me. And... I wasn't allowed to play video games as a kid. Like, none? Like, none. Until I was, like, probably 12 or 13, and then my parents, like, relaxed. And, like, I don't have a problem with it. You're the oldest, though, right? I am the oldest. Yeah, so my brothers both play video games, but I've never, like, understood it. Mm -hmm. It just does. So, like, Wreck-It Ralph really didn't make much sense to me. Oh. Like, I liked it. It was a cute movie. And, like, I did like Sarah Silverman, but I was just, like, oh, not my thing. I don't know. I never, I played Guitar Hero like a crazy person, but I was I was so bad at Guitar Hero, I couldn't play it. <laughs> but I wasn't super into video games growing up either. My uh, stepdad had like a original Xbox and he'd always play like the like the shooting games or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we never had any like kid games or like we never had like Nintendo, so I never played like Mario or anything. Yeah. Um, and I was always, like, that kid that in, like, junior high and high school that was getting, like, the latest, like, gaming systems and technology, like, three years too late. Like, I feel like I think (laughs) I got, like, a Nintendo DS. Like, everybody Um, else was getting, like, Nintendo DSs, like, in fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And I didn't think I got mine until I think it was in, like, ninth or tenth grade. Okay, no. (laughs) My, okay, so when we did get a video game console... It was when I was, like, 12 or 13. Did you get a Wii? No. We got the original PlayStation. <laughs> we got knockoff Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh, my God. And knockoff um, Guitar Hero. And it was great. Amazing. And then I think they, I think my brothers got, like, they have, like, Xboxes or whatever now. Mm-hmm. And they play, like, Cod, Call of Duty. Duty. Yeah. <laughs> I never got it. I wasn't even, I did, I just kind of liked knockoff roller coaster tycoon. Because <laughs> I like to play, like I like to make the roller coasters. Yeah, no, I love like roller coaster tycoon and Sims. I got Sims for Xbox. I um, loved that Sims I've too. I played Sims twice. And the first time my friend was like, oh yeah, you can play Sims for me for a minute while I like go do something. And she came back two minutes later and the house was on fire. And she was like, what did you do? And I was like, literally nothing. (laughs) I love Sims, but then I like, uh, play it and I make the house. But then when it comes to actually like playing it and making my person like 
you're like do things yeah. i'm like nope i'm like i made the house that's cool there's a brief period of time where like uh uh my roommate went april when she lived with me and her boyfriend alex when mm-hmm. uh we were coming over and we all had Sims down on our computers, so we would all like make houses for each other. <laughs> well, April and Alex would like have a mansion, and then I'd have like my own like bedroom in yeah. their mansion. Because they were like, "Oh, well, we have to have a place for you," and I'm like, "Oh, just make me a fucking Ugh. shed out back or something." There's like some old Reddit post that's gone around that's like, and th- I read this probably when I was in like eighth grade, so I was like, "How romantic!" But it was like. I think it was some guy and his girlfriend died when he was, like, in high school and he made a Sims house for her Mm -hmm. and, like, made her and him and then they, like, lived happily ever after in a Sims game and I was just like... Oh, like so cute but just so sad. Yeah. Like, I remember in Sims, like, when I was a kid, I would always make, like, my crush, like, me and my crush together in Sims. <laughs> like, I think I would just be, like, 12 years old, like, or 13. Didn't even, like, have a boyfriend. I don't think I had even, like, kissed anybody at that time. But, like, I would make, like, the, a Sim of, like, the cute boy in my, like, history class. Amazing. Yeah, and, like, my friend would, like, I would be there with, like, another friend, another girlfriend, and she would, like, do the same, and then we'd be like, okay, but we can't tell anybody, because this would be fucking weird, like, you, if they found out. Did you ever play Zap in, like, middle school? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so they wrote, you wrote Zap on your hand, zap on and your then hand. they wrote a boy's name mm-hmm. on your palm, and, and what then, you had to do to him? What? No, no, so ours was just, like, if Ask you- Ask him out? They wrote, like, a number on, like, three hours or, like, 30 right. days or whatever on your hand. And if you looked at your palm before that, then you had to ask them out. Mm-hmm. And I was the worst because I would be like, do it, do it, do it. And I'd have, like, one on each hand. And then I'd be like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And then I'd, like, look at it when I was in the bathroom. Oh, my And God. then we all got in trouble for playing because it was bullying, I guess. It was bullying? Yeah, because it was, oh. like, because people would write, like, mean. That, like, it would be, like, a joke. Like, yeah. oh, this person's weird. You have to ask them out now. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. That's shitty. Kids are kids are very mean. Anyway. Uh, my brother's going into middle school. Like, he just started his first oh, year yeah. middle school. And I'm just like... Is he still alive? <laughs> yes, I'm very stressed. My little, my little kid brother's going to middle school. So you know how my brother's in Germany mm-hmm. right now. So because he's over there, my mom's gotten my mom got an email today from like the u.s embassy and they found a world war ii bomb in frankfurt germany that hadn't been like it never gone off so they were detonating it like today or tomorrow and they were like just don't be in this place when we like set off the bomb oh my god and there but it was like they do this all the time because they still find bombs like where do they like they just find them around like all over europe yeah they'll just find them like between a building or something, like if two oh, buildings wow. are really close together or whatever. That's so crazy. My, and I'm totally going to get this wrong, and I know my dad doesn't listen to this podcast, so it's fine. Your mom <laughs> barely does either. My mom listened to ten minutes and was like, bye. Um, <laughs> but my nanny, who's my English grandma, has a, and I want to say it's a landmine, because I know what a grenade looks like, and it's not a grenade. She has a landmine that's never been detonated. And 
not only is it a thing my dad used to just like toss around as it, with him growing up, oh my God. it is moved from England to America with her, <laughs> so it sits on her goddamn American porch. Oh my, it sits on her porch. Yes! That's funny. <laughs> and she's like, I'm an American citizen and I have and a landmine <laughs> from World War II. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and so like I dropped it one time and she was like, probably don't do that. And my dad was like, I used to play like like American Frisbee. football with this. Oh, like, <laughs> American football. That's funny. <laughs> he was like, I don't think it's gonna go off. But yeah. like I want it really bad. Just, like, like I need to be like, hey, by the way, can you put me in your will for that, please? Thanks. <laughs> We're just telling all of our parents' secrets because they don't listen. <gasps> I called my mom to tell her that <laughs> we were on iTunes. And you, you had to tell her it was the same as cereal. Yeah. <laughs> Friggin' Karen. She was just like, oh, so what do you talk about on your podcast? And I was like, literally the only thing I use my Facebook for anymore is to promo my podcast so all my <laughs> old high school teachers can see it and think I'm doing something. Oh like, my god. <laughs> like, have you, like, you're on Facebook every single second, frantically refreshing. How? <laughs> how do you not know? But she has a Samsung, so she can't get the podcast app, so. Ugh. I, but I was, I'm working on it. <laughs> I was just like, it's it's like cereal or S Town. She was listening to one I of them. S Town. Okay. Should I say that? Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. You t- like the first time we ever recorded. You told me you're like I didn't like S Town, yeah. but like I liked it. And I will tell you exactly why. I grew up in the South. I know. And I have met people exactly like mm-hmm. John D. Macklemore, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck, Macklemore. Yeah. Whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. I've met him. I've met him a hundred times over. Yeah. And I have no sympathy because uh, I left. And if you want to leave, fucking leave. Yeah, I don't know. He... It made me very mad. And I told Courtney that she probably wouldn't like it either because we have very similar views on that kind of thing. Uh, so I don't know if she ever actually listened to it, but I was like, by the way, I Did you watch the whole... It. Did you listen to the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Thing? I listened to the okay. whole thing. Well, the other thing was I kept expecting... Like, I was like, oh, this is going to happen, or oh, this is going to happen, or oh, this is going to happen. And then at the end, it just ended. And I was like, nothing happened! Oh, my God! And I, oh, well, I can't say that because I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> but when the thing happened, I, like, saw it coming, like, miles away. Yeah. Um, I, I really, really liked it. And people um, were like, I cried. And I was like, I didn't. Yeah, I, when I worked on the research farm like regularly over the summer I listened to, to so many podcasts. I blew through so many episodes of freaking True Crime Brewery and I listened Oh god bless I listened, Dick and Jill. I know. I listened to Serial in two days and I listened to S Town in one day. See I didn't listen to, I listened to Serial but I saved it. Like that was Serial actually Serial is my first podcast so it has a, I haven't watched a special place in my season. heart. Thank you Shit. Will for introducing me to Serial and also podcasts. Oh. In general. My first podcast was This Feels Terrible. This Feels Terrible. Yes, I love, I was listening to that when I was like a junior in high school and I didn't even really know what podcasts were. But yeah, I love This Feels Terrible. Erin McGathy, we'd love to be guests on your show. (laughs) We'll call in. Yeah, we'll have to call in to freaking Ireland. Now that she's out there. I'm fine with it. We can WhatsApp Erin Aaron McGathy, hit me up. Please. I love Aaron McGathy. 
Um, anyway, you, should we end the podcast? Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> We've only been casually <laughs> chatting for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know, I just... It's been so long since we've recorded, I know. you know, we had a... <laughs> a brief hiatus because get of off. school and hydrocodone. Yeah. <laughs> we just had to get off track for a little bit because so many crazy cool things have happened. Yes. Yes. And good, at least we got to talk about Nazis a little bit. God bless. <laughs> okay. I'm not Catholic. Okay. And we'll see you the week after next. Yes. Have a good rest of your week. We love you. And Subscribe uh, to us on iTunes and also rate and review us. Right That's how people will actually find us that aren't just from the Duluth area. Yeah. Yeah, and don't generally hate it. Anyway. Rate and review. Um, it's found, It feels so weird saying that. Rate and review, rate and review us. us! We want to hear what you think. Um, I know so many people have congratulated us on getting our podcast on iTunes. And thank you for congratulating us. That means a lot. Oh, no. Like it big... would mean a lot more if you put it in writing up with that five-star <laughs> review, even a four-star review, and put it in writing when you Asher. like. <laughs> oh, I rated no. us five stars on iTunes. You did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have I've also idea. subscribed to my own podcast. It's I'm a dream come true. I've subscribed to my own podcast. This is like, is this real life? So yes, all my all my kiwiivers. God, I that's not even fair <laughs> that you don't have a name for your fans because my name is so weird. Well, I mean, mine's ki- like it's kiwi because my brother still can't say his L's, so I. You're in middle school. <laughs> So, yeah, Kiwi, my nickname's been Kiwi for a while. So, my Kiwiivers. Oh, ki- well, you know what? I would it. have one if you didn't skip over me in the goddamn Welcome Week game. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Forget 2015, I skipped Karis in the Welcome Week game. What was your name? What was it? You, I didn't See? get one because you skipped me. I know, but what were you going to say? I don't even know. Cool Karis. Cool Karis. Like, Cranky Karis. Cranky cares. <laughs> and with that, have a good rest of your uh, night, week, all that. We love you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. We're out. <laughs>